the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to The Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwick, your host. Um, and joining me today, we've got Owen Bennett, who is the uh, lead analyst or head analyst for global tobacco and cannabis for uh, Jeffries. And uh, Owen, you've been uh, covering the space for a little while. But tell us about uh, Jeffries' coverage and perspective, a little bit about your perspective on the, on the space and how the two uh, sectors actually parallel or diverge over the next year. Sure. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, and just, yeah, a bit of background there. I've been in equity research for um, 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, I did a number of other things. Started out in audit at Deloitte, then did a bit of corporate finance in New York. And then I actually worked in strategy at Procter & Gamble for a couple of years in Switzerland before moving into research. And um, for 10 years, been covering global tobacco as you mentioned, and then picked up um, cannabis coverage um, around 18 months ago now. Yeah, and I have um, to say your, your background has spoken, spoken well because, uh, you know, just sorry to interrupt, but I know I read your cool. reports very regularly and they always bring great perspective, which uh, some of your prior history obviously fed into that really nicely. Yeah, and so, and I do actually think there's a, to that point now, there's a, there's a nice link with, covering tobacco and cannabis because obviously one of the the key sort of investment drivers of the space going forward is potential CPG involvement. And I think tobacco is probably one of the, the most likely candidates to make that move sooner rather than later. You've obviously seen that with um, Altria. Um, mm-hmm. You've seen Imperial Tobacco gave a loan to Auxley, which can, can be converted into 20% ownership. And then British American Tobacco just recently spoke about their desire to move beyond nicotine. They've actually formed a, a team of 10 people actually looking at the cannabis space specifically. So there's a nice link there between the two. Um, so as I said, yeah, I've been covering the space for 18 months now. Um, cover nine Canadian LPs, one of the auxiliary providers in the US. Jeffrey's policy right now is no coverage of the US plant touching names while right. it's federally illegal. And this kind of ties mm-hmm. into, I mean, one of the big barriers, I think, to um, set the multiples and, and future value creation, a big part of that is institutional investment. And for similar reasons, many institutions can't invest in the space right now um, because it's not federally legal. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of, we're here. We hope uh, legalization will come. And, and Jeffrey's a... a very kind of keen and kind of leading the way and, and being heavily involved as that does develop. Yeah, no, and, you know, with the perspective you bring and the, you know, you have that opportunity to be an independent perspective and voice, it also gives you the chance to have conversations with uh, people from in a in a very different perspective. So it'd be interesting hearing your uh, your view on legalization and federal rescheduling in the U.S., because obviously that transforms a lot of the marketplace worldwide. Sure. Timeline um, and timeline being the first thing. Okay. I mean, I guess there's two perspectives. I mean, the US, obviously, the holy grail for everyone. 
mm-hmm. um, both psychoactive cannabis and hemp-based CBD, all the non-THC cannabinoids. Um, on the psychoactive side, near term is obviously kind of what happens with additional state legalization here. And um, things have been held up somewhat um, given COVID. Yep. Um, so we may not see uh, the progress we had been hoping um, into the rest of this year. Um, those that still look likely, obviously New Jersey, Arizona, Mississippi, um, whereas the likes of Florida, New York and Ohio um, may need to wait until um, 2021. More medium term and obviously where the huge focus is, um, both, uh, I mean, us as a bank getting involved in this and then potential kind of future institutional involvement is for full federal legalization or some form of that, like the States Act. Um, I personally don't see the States Act happening. Um, reason being, I think the government will not want states to have free reign over something being used as medicine. Um, they like this to be overseen by the FDA, as I mean, as it oversees any other type of medicine. Right. So I think they probably think there's too much risk around that, or that's where there will be pushback and potentially therefore it wouldn't get through. And um, to this, I actually see federal, full, sorry, full federal legalization coming first. Um, and so a timeline around that, I mean, while consensus says it won't happen anytime soon, although Canopy did come out recently and say 2022, which is probably sooner than I've heard a lot of people speak about. Um, I have spoken to a guy recently, actually, who claims he's in the in the know in Washington, although a lot of these guys are talking <laughs> their own book because he's, uh, he's involved, in, involved in the cannabis space. But he thinks it could come in 2021. Reason being with the, the Black Lives Matter movement, it may mean that Trump has to put criminal justice reform on the ticket in order to get votes and get re-elected. Um, and with that, therefore, cannabis legalization. Um, and if obviously if he puts it on, then Biden will probably have to match it. So I found that interesting. I hadn't heard that before, kind of anti-consensual. Um, it does make sense somewhat. And so potentially there could be a surprise there that full federal legalization comes sooner than some people were expecting. Yeah, I'm, I continue to watch it. And, uh, you know, I've, I've looked at various aspects and I struggle to see... Um, you know, the lobby effects are so powerful, but I do see a path where they'd go to Schedule 5 quite rapidly, which allows uh, full prescription usage and medical, because that also allows the pharmaceutical companies to participate uh, and get it, get involved uh, on a first step before they open up in full overnight. And uh, at least that opens up the, uh, the path for people with prescriptions and for uh, a true medical um, where doctors are going to be involved and working through that path as a as a first step, and that's low risk for everybody. So you know, I wouldn't be surprised sure. if I, if we see something around that uh, opening up before anything else, just as a, a logical step, and then everybody can at least pay, you know, at worst lip service to say they did something, but at least everybody's on the path then. And that's uh, from sure. my perspective. You know, you got to start somewhere. Uh, we do have to take a quick break. Coming back with Owen Bennett from Jeffries, and I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah. 
how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Vampire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Empire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Empire. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky. Uh, joining me today is Owen Bennett from Jeffries. And um, Owen, you know, one of the things that uh, can look at, you mentioned about uh, the experience and the perspective, it's the parallels to other industries. And, you know, one of the most famous industries that uh, transitioned was technology. And IBM, of course, pulled one where they moved from being a the, the big hardware company to the big services company. Do you see any of the tobacco companies following a, a similar path over the next few years where they begin to transition more and more towards uh, cannabis with uh, tobacco being less prominent in their profile or mix? Um, I think it's unlikely. The way I see tobacco getting involved is with cannabis being incremental to the core nicotine market. And so what, what you're seeing in, in tobacco right now there, with fewer and fewer smokers each year, the model is becoming increasingly pressured. So as it stands right now, they're aggressively pursuing, well, they were forced to aggressively pursue um, harm reduction, reduced risk products. And so within this uh, reduced risk um, product area is heated tobacco and nicotine e-liquid vapor. Um, what that then gives them is technology that can then also be used within the cannabis space. So obviously with heated tobacco technology, same principle, you can heat the, the cannabis leaf. Um, with the e-liquid um, nicotine vapor, similar principles with the, with the cannabis liquids. And, and they're actually leading the way in this in terms of some, developing some of the, the most advanced technology in these areas that you can find. Um, and so... That kind of ties them into having the, the technology to make you shift in, in into cannabis. And and the other thing I think is is worth 
noting in terms of um, tobacco and, and why it makes sense for them to move into cannabis potentially versus the other sectors and why they can do it well is, is number one, they're, they're not doing it due to disruption. It can be incremental growth. So cannabis is not disrupting the nicotine market. It's not like cannabis is disrupting the beverage market. So a lot of these beverage players, they're being forced to take a look at the cannabis space and then they're in a difficult spot in terms of if they invest behind cannabis, they're potentially impacting the core. That's not the case in tobacco. So they can invest behind it aggressively and not be concerned about what happens to the core. And um, secondly, is obviously they've got relationships with tobacco farmers all around the world. And these mm-hmm. tobacco farmers can pivot into whether it be um, psychoactive cannabis or hemp. And um, thirdly, is their relationships with, with regulators and operating in a regulated but, environment? But on um, that, it's hard it for is, the it's hard for a tobacco farmer to convert over to a cannabis production because of the um, you know the the quality of the land and the problem with pesticides and other uh, materials that will be latent in in the soil. Where can, medical cannabis, at least, has such strict regulations internationally for growing conditions. A former tobacco field wouldn't be wouldn't be useful. I mean, yeah, to, to that, I mean, you're already seeing a lot of the tobacco farmers in the U.S. move over to hemp. Temp, um, yes, and in terms of in terms of full cannabis, yes, I agree with you. I mean, I, in 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 that sense, I think this is kind of you looking five, six, seven, eight years, or so a bit longer down the line, when potentially the the genetic evolution of the cannabis plant is such that. Um, seeds are a lot more advanced and they can just put them into um, a tobacco farm environment and it can grow. Um, this is kind of taking a longer picture. I think more immediate near term is what they're doing around the cannabis technology with, with the vape pens and the heated tobacco. And that's largely where it will be leveraged. I mean, to that now with Imperial recently investing in um, or giving Auxley a loan. They also mm-hmm. signed an R&D relationship. Um, at the end of this year, Auxley um, supposed to be using Imperial vapor technology in its cannabis pens. Um, in terms of Ultria um, investing in Kronos, um, they're supposed to kind of be sharing um, uh, know-how around vapor technology there, but then also distribution. Um, this comes into play now with, with Kronos trying to establish a large CBD business in the U.S. Um, they can therefore rely to a certain extent on, on the, the, the significant ultra distribution across um, gas stations and convenience stores. Right. Um, and, then, and, and distribution is a big challenge. I think people underestimate the challenge in the can- medical cannabis industry and the cannabis industry, um, you know, as a whole. Distribution in mo- between jurisdictions and across most jurisdictions is is incredibly challenging. I f- you know, for one, from a regulatory perspective, and the uh, you know from a medical, you've got a very high standard. You're producing an agricultural product for a pharmaceutical grade uh, destination. But also, I think people don't realize, you know, in most industries, if you go and make a sale to a customer, it's one to one. But in the cannabis industry, you're actually dealing with five other parties. You're dealing with your customer. You're dealing with a lab on each on each partner's end, and you're dealing with government agencies at each end where there could be multiple agencies. So it even increases the number from five to, you know, depending on the jurisdiction, I've seen uh, multiple agency, um, government agencies involved. That level of friction, of course, changes, you know, is, is 
very different than what uh, tobacco, which is still regulated, deals with. Um, how how do you approach? You know, how do you look at that or factor that into your analysis of where the industry is going? The regulatory I mean, well, barriers. I mean, to be clear, it comes back to I mean, where tobacco will use their distribution now. It's in it's in CBD, so hemp mm-hmm. given CBD. I mean, tobacco will not get involved in the cannabis, well, psychoactive cannabis area, any distribution around that, while it's federally illegal. Of course. So I, I get your point on all, on all of that, but, I mean, that's kind of a, a medium-term to longer-term issue right now, should they heavily get involved in it. I mean, immediate focus, if tobacco get involved in this, is sharing that technology for use in, in vape pens and also their distribution potentially for um, CBD. Um, right. Further down the line, um, I mean, it's, it, uh, uh, to your point, I mean, it's, I, I think where they come into their own then is just their knowledge of working in a regulated environment, getting these products approved. Because my, my view is if, if it becomes fully uh, legalized in the US, it will be <laughs> overseen by the FDA. Um, The FDA right now oversees tobacco. If you want to get a nicotine vapor pen approved on the market, you have to put in around a 10,000-page application at least. Mm -hmm. Um, It needs to be supported by in-market testing over a period of a couple of years. Um, And so the the, the rigorous testing and, and documentation they need to go through right now will likely mirror what is required in a, in a fully regulated environment. And they're in a perfect position. Not only they've got experience to do that, but also the relationship they already have in the FDA to shape how that evolves. And that's, that's somewhat being echoed in the uh, novel foods um, system that, you know, from the UK and the rest of Europe now. Yeah, I mean, so exactly. So, I mean, it, this is to, to my point earlier. I think that potential barriers to the state act is there's too much risk created in terms of, especially if it's being used as a medicine or even CBD in that sense, where people are using it for health reasons, whether it be sleep, anxiety, etc. Unless you have one uniform regulated environment with strict standards that everyone's adhering to, it creates a lot of risk. Um, and that's kind of what you're seeing now in the issue, I think, in terms of some of these multi-state operators in, in the U.S. because within each individual state, there's different rules and regulations. Um, and also, they're arguably not up to the same standard you're seeing in a, in a nationally regulated environment such as Canada. And then this is the big debate going forward in terms of if, if there is full federal legalization, um, would the U.S. names the incumbents necessarily win in that environment? Um, not necessarily the case because you've, you've got all these U.S. MSOs now, which are vertically integrated in every state. They've got these huge cost structures. They're not used to working in a strict regulated environment with with uniform standards, whereas the Canadian LPs, they can come into the U.S. They've already got infrastructure around CBD, and they're used to adhering to strict national standards. They don't have these huge cost bases because they're not vertically integrated in every state. They can be more nimble. So I think that's a... an interesting debate going forward where a lot of people automatically assume the US MSOs would win should full federal legalization come, but I don't necessarily think that it will be the case. It'll be it'll be very channel challenging because I think the vertical integration that a lot of the US pro, uh, producers face is, is an anchor around their necks as the market opens up and becomes truly more towards free trade and liberalized in terms of the uh, regulations. 
definitely a definitely a challenge look at uh, going forward. And you know, you you touched upon you know I think the tobacco's distribution systems run parallels um, in in many ways for applicability to to our industry. Although you know we could talk about uh, liquor and pharma getting involved also as uh, very clear distribution paths, as well as you know some of the other CPG companies that are putting out wellness drinks and. Do you, you know, in, within your uh, group, do you deal with, uh, I know you don't focus on any of those other sectors, but do you have um, cross analysis with any of the others who are looking at farmer liquor and how they're, how they're going to get involved? Yeah, I mean, I think you need to look at these things in, from a different perspective. In terms of liquor, yeah. there is a near-term threat of disruption. I mean, arguably drinking rates are already being impacted. So if you're a CEO of a a liquor company right now, then you almost have to act. Um, I think the the benefit of well, tobacco, as we spoke about, is there is no disruptions, there is no rush right now. Um, And therefore you can take your time and, and make sure kind of you're evaluating the landscape evaluating how regulation is going to develop and therefore make sure you're allocating your capital in the correct way um, mm-hmm. because there is no rush. In pharma, while there's likely to be disruption, um, that isn't immediate because until you get pharma disruption, you need to get through all these years of clinical trials. You have to get drug identification numbers, etc. Uh, and that's some way off. And, and, and there's question marks now whether even the incumbent cannabis names even want to do that. I mean, you saw Canopy that were leading the way in, in clinical trials and, and this big push into pharma. And they said just recently that uh, they're going to pull away from that now because it's just too complex, too complicated, costs a lot of money, and there's no guarantee of the end outcome. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a, a very different industry, pharma. And, you yeah. know, I think the cannabis industry is a supply chain provider to true pharmaceutical. Um, wellness, cosmeceutical, and the like are different different factors. They they fit in, but uh, the testing rigors, you know, and, and the clinical trial process is incredibly challenging. And that's why you know, like GW Pharma took so long to get through, but ultimately being successful um, has paved the way for them to have a fantastic market. Let's come back to that after the break. We uh, we do have to take a quick break. And uh, coming back with Owen Bennett from Jeffries, and I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. I said palm trees make California. Yo, 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 this is your boy TJ, Trinidad James. You're listening to Dr. Bina on Cannabis Confidential. People were so excited to see you supporting our industry, and it's so important to see people who are mainstream, who are out there, that people look up to. That was my first one ever going to, so that was definitely a big deal for me. It's not just, oh man, just come smoke a bunch of joints. It's a lot of science into it. It's way more interesting than a lot of people might think who look down, per se, on what we enjoy. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com.
Oh, lady marijuana llama, tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The The Green Green Peak Peak with Richard Zwicky. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of The Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak. I'm Richard Zwicky with Owen Bennett from Jeffrey's joining us today. And Owen, uh, you know, one thing that we haven't touched upon yet, but really should is we've seen obviously the gold rush in phase one of the uh, cannabis industry and the first market challenges that started March last year with the uh, cannabis sector uh, valuations plummeting. Companies that are going forward today um, and trying to break into the market in the industry, of course, are really need to be more realistic with their market size projections, recognizing that some things are taking longer than everybody expected. Um, but also the upside and the multiples are, you know, are not as hedonistic as they would have been a couple of years ago. Still incredible opportunity for the right business, but not the crazy numbers and the over, you know, overinflated valuations that we saw before. How are you approaching, you know, and how are you finding the entrepreneurs and the business people you're speaking to uh, reconciling the the change and making adjustments for it? And are they becoming more realistic or you're still seeing a lot of them that haven't taken it into account? Some will have, obviously. Um, I think, I mean, from a Canadian perspective, they've had to take it into account because a lot of these guys, they put out these crazy numbers 12 months ago. Sellside, in many cases, just followed it blindly and and they haven't delivered. And so, I mean, to that extent now, I mean, a lot of these guys were putting out guidance have stopped putting out near-term guidance around Canada. I mean, a lot of these as well, I mean, they blame it on store rollout, but it's not on store rollout. That's just an easy excuse in many instances. I think a lot of these guys, while the market hasn't developed as it should, they just didn't have a sustainable business plan right from the offset. And it was just all about raising money, promoting your stock. And then they yep. thought about the business fundamentals a bit too late. Yes. Um, in saying that, however, though, I mean, the overly ambitious projections are still happening. So just two weeks ago, we saw Canopy project that the total, total addressable market by 2023 globally will be 70 billion. I mean, this is just not going to happen in our view. I mean, our conservative estimates currently, and we see a global market of around 40 billion by 2023 and only approaching 70 by 2029. And so while 70 billion um, is possible, everything would have to go right. You'd have to have full legalization everywhere. 
black market have to switch over, so we think it's highly unlikely. I mean, even in this, they're projecting a US CBD market in 2023 of 13 billion. I mean, it's only just under 3 billion today. And so, to your earlier point, I think what evidence the data has shown us is that while the opportunity is significant, I mean, if you actually factor in the black market globally, you've probably got a global opportunity now of 200 billion, but that's not going to mm-hmm. be achieved overnight. So, I mean, well, and it won't be as long as the long... government's tax tax the uh, legal channels to the point where it makes it, um, you know, it cre- makes it economical for the black market to to exist. And uh, the government's done a horrible job in many locations of taxing the legal channels, making th- those products more expensive, but also not making it clear that there's a difference between the products as well. So they've hampered everybody. Sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, in that sense as well, I mean, that's an issue in terms of the pace of legalization in US and Canada, but then also once mm-hmm. it's legalized, uh, barriers that they put into place in terms of the rollout. I mean, we mentioned stores and um, some of the marketing restrictions that you have in Canada are not helpful. The fact that you can't do online sales um, in a lot of instances do not also help. But I mean, even on an international basis, um, I mean, the amount of countries that have legalized are, are way below some projections just 18 months ago. I mean, to this, we had the CEO of a company that had been one, one of the main beneficiaries of international growth being Tilray. Um, their projections from early 2019 that we'd see up to 60 markets legalized medical cannabis by the end of 19, um, up from 41 from 2018. And we're still nowhere near that. Um, and so I just think, I mean, it, to, to the earlier point, I mean, the numbers canopy are putting out now. Um, the fact that people expecting such a rapid rate of legalization on a global basis. So I just don't think that's the case. I mean, my personal view right now is kind of the, the big near-term opportunity is what's happening in Canada, what's happening in, in the US, and then also US CBD. And then on an international basis, I think you've just got to look at Germany over the next two to three years, because that's kind of where all the growth and all the sentiment is going to be tied to. Um, I think any kind of focus beyond that is just wasting resources because you're not going to get your return on your investment. And it's about executing internationally in markets like Germany first, and then you can start thinking bigger and bolder beyond that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And of course, the German market is such a big driver in Europe, but also globally. And we're seeing you know, the adoption curves and the numbers and the, the issues there. And I think a lot of people underestimated that even when it legalizes, it doesn't mean just it's wide open. It's a, you know, especially it's being controlled, it's being managed as a controlled good. And that doesn't happen. You know, it's not like bubble gum that goes on the shelf and is sold overnight. It's a bit more complicated and people have misunderestimated. Unfortunately, those market size projections uh, aren't always, you know, there's still a, I, I agree, there's a little bit of euphoria still, but I'm glad to see it is getting more reasonable on the part of many companies because they're focused on the fundamentals of what it's going to take to get through to the other side. Um, but we've run out of time, Owen, and, uh, but I'd like to thank you for joining us and to our listeners for listening today. Um, for people who are listening and really want to get some great uh, ongoing analysis, they can visit the Jeffrey site, but where do you recommend they sign up to get your newsletter and uh, information on a regular basis? Yeah, so if they, if they just shoot me an email, so it's obennett at jeffries.com and I'll be able to get them added onto the distribution list. 
Fantastic. I know it's, uh, I, I enjoy it whenever I get it because I read it uh, regularly. So thanks for your insights. They're always valuable. And thanks for joining us today and to everybody for listening. I'm Richard Zwicky of the Green Peak, and I'll chat with you again next week. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.